It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome into the Gigam 24-7 Sport Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. A, we are just over a week away from the early signing period and a lot to get to. It's been a busy seven days for Texas A&M with three commitments in the past week. Uh, but I want to start off by just extending our condolences to Mike Leach, their fa- his family, the entire Mississippi State community. Just a tremendous loss for for college football as a whole and a, and a guy that... Um, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing the, imp- the widespread impact that he made on, on a lot of people. So um, keeping everybody involved there in our thoughts uh, moving forward. Uh, Brian, how you how you doing? Oh, doing well. I mean, uh, like you said, there's been a number of commitments, uh, which, you know, hadn't happened for about two months. I know we talked about Ruben, Owen, oh, Ruben Owens last week, yeah. and uh, we'll get to a, a couple more this week. And yeah, you mentioned Mike Leach. I mean, this you know, I've been watching him going back to my uh, my days as a student today, and I think it was my freshman year. Oklahoma wasn't even really that good. Uh, you know, they weren't the powerhouse. John Blake had just, you know, Bob Soups had just come up for John Blake. And Oklahoma comes out, and, uh, you know, A&M's favorite, and Oklahoma gets uh, basically three wide receivers on, on each side of the field, and A&M had no clue what to do. I think it ended up 55-14 to 14 or something. Uh, that was, man. This is this is going to date me a little bit. That was back in the day. There was no games. Were, not all games were on TV. So I think that one was actually on the radio. I think I may have been listening to it. I've been like, what is going on? And that was the first time anybody, you know, at A&M at least knew about Mike Leach. And, yeah, that offense was tough to stop. A&M fans just remember him at Texas Tech. He had a way of, of beating A&M. I mean, he's, you know, when he went to Mississippi State, it's like, you know, why this guy? Can't? You know, he just had A&M's numbers. So, um but yeah, and obviously just a fun interview, uh, a guy that was that was really entertaining, and you know, I can't even imagine what his family's going through. With, you know, just this uh, happening so suddenly. So, like you said, our uh, well wishes and prayers to his uh, family and the whole Mississippi State community. No question, he was one of the guys I made sure to watch as many of his interviews as I possibly could because, like he even said, he never knew what's going to come out of his mouth. It could be <laughs> yeah. anything, and he and he had an opinion on everything. Um, Cracked me up as well when he like, kind of went to the SEC media days this week and or this year and, and they asked him why he didn't have an opening statement. And he said, well, because media aren't going to ask me about my opening statement anyway, so why bother, <laughs> that's, why, bother that's with, <laughs> why, why bother with an opening statement if nobody's going to ask me about it yeah. anyway? You guys can just get to your get to your questions you really want to ask me. And I think that that kind of sums up how he how he kind of was. It was just honest. It was, you know, just just true as can be and and just a tremendous loss. So um, definitely keeping everybody around the Mississippi State community in our in our thoughts. 
you know, looking back and and on on the recruiting trail for A and M, as we mentioned, it's been a busy week uh, to catch everybody up. A and M last week in in what came together very quickly on on Wednesday landed a commitment from Ruben Owens, five star running back out of Alcampa, the top rated running back in the country. Uh, but they weren't done there on Sunday night. Landed a commitment in the 2024 class from four-star receiver DeBron Gatling, who is a former teammate of LT Overton. Um, so those two are obviously very close. And yeah. a guy that A&M was the first school to offer him. He's developed close relationships with Damian Craig, James Coley, and and the rest of the staff, and, and spoke at length about the respect that he and his family have for that A&M coaching staff. And then I think the, the most interesting one – and one we can kind of dive into today is yeah. Ryan Kennedy. He's got a just a fascinating story. Uh, picked up an offer from Texas A&M last week. Uh, took an official visit this past week, and it was on the commitment list Monday Monday night. Brian, your your impressions of of what you've seen from him just just diving into film? Yes, yeah, so this is a guy that is. I mean, we talked about it uh, off the air, but this is a guy that's new to football. He played in junior high, but you know that's. You know, that's not really, you know, the same thing. And, you yeah. know, Rusty for three years. So, you know, just decided to go out and play his senior year, was a basketball player. And, you know, impressed enough that he started picking up uh, offers. Let's see, just he didn't have a single offer until mid-November, I think it was, mm-hmm. or early November. November. And then he got, yeah, he got a couple Pac-12 on the same day with Washington and Cal. USC a couple of days later, Auburn, Texas, and then A&M offered last week. So this is a guy that had just sort of a, a meteoric rise and uh you know you can see why watching this film you know he's got a he's really quick off the line um you know he uh he's hard he's hard to block he comes a lot of times he lines up in that wide nine technique all the way out and the tackles just don't know what to do I mean he's too quick if he gets a head start so you know I see him coming to A&M and being maybe a little a little bit like uh we saw uh Eni White play this year yeah, uh, but but a bit of linebacker, bit of end, just sort of edge, and that's what AM is recruiting him at is an edge, and you know, sort of figure out the exact role later. But you know, he's probably athletic enough even to play just uh, pure uh, outside backer if, if he wanted to. So um, good pickup. You know, will probably be a guy that needs needs a little time in the weight room, needs a little time just to really continue to learn the game, but has a chance to be really good. No, the question. I had a chance to actually see him earlier this year when Lakeridge played Duncanville and obviously Duncanville overmatches Lakeridge when it comes to te- from a talent perspective and the, and the game was over pretty, pretty quickly. But the, the impact that, that Ryland Kennedy was, was able to have at least early in the game, getting after the path, getting after the quarterback and, and showing some of that explosive athleticism off the edge wasn't really on the radar at that point um, was a guy that I think, you know, a lot of people would describe him as a late bloomer. Uh, but just really good athleticism, explosive, twitchy off the edge. And like you said, I think he could fit kind of that Eni White role and and does fill a position of need for for A and M as you know, if even if he even if he needs a year or two in the in the strength and conditioning program, I think, you know, that's that's a group that, that A and M needs to continue to add depth to at the at the weak side edge rusher position. So uh, you know, just and from an A and M perspective, you 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 know, you add a, a piece that, that you can continue to develop. And they're continuing to kind of rise up in the rankings as well, up to number 17, jump Florida State. And, 
you know, I think I think this is an example. They're going to continue to close on some guys late in the cycle. They're bringing in yeah. more guys this this weekend. Uh, Jaden Platt, Tony Mitchell, Marshall mm-hmm. Reed are a couple of the notable names. Hayden Moore as well, a linebacker. Yeah, and all to all four of those guys they're looking to flip, you know. So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's impressive. They're getting not just big targets, but committed targets on campus for that final weekend. No question. And, and you, it's it's there's a, there's kind of, you know, a, a big need for all all of those guys, I would say. I mean, Tony Mitchell, when you look at the secondary with the guys that have left in the transfer portal this year, you know, he's got a chance to come in and, and really make an impact early in the secondary, whether it's at safety or corner. You know, we've seen A&M kind of be able to plug these guys in and, and play them early on. Where do you, you know, somebody asked last week on the board, where do you see him as the best fit or what do you kind of see as the, the profile for Tony Mitchell? Okay. So, I mean, he's a guy who plays cornerback in high school, also plays some safety, mm-hmm. um, you know, good player uh, can, can actually line up at either spot, I think, but yeah. really with, uh, with him being good in coverage, but also a bigger guy already, I think probably uh, safety would be his best bet. Yeah. I know A&M just wants to get him on campus, you know, get him signed and, and figure that out later. But, you know, I think we saw with Jalen Jones. Now, Jalen Jones is a good player, but it's really hard for sort of those uh, bigger guys that aren't, you know, yeah. aren't necessarily the best to change a direction. I mean, Jalen Jones is really good. I don't mean to take, you know, he was a freshman All-American. Don't mean to take that away from him. But, you know, when you're already that size coming out of high school, it's just not, not incredibly natural to play uh, – to play cornerback. So if you get a safety back there can cover uh, like Antonio Johnson, I mean, that was more than nickel, but still you get a safety that can cover. I mean, you have, you have a really valuable, uh, a really valuable player. I mean, that's what Bryce Anderson is going to do in, uh, in Johnson's stead going forward. And Bryce was a guy that some schools recruited at corner. So, yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I really, I really like Mitchell at safety, but you know, if he does stay at corner, I think he has a chance to be a good one there as well. No question. And Hayden Moore to me is, is kind of a name that maybe flies a little bit under the radar, but you know, he's, he's emerging as more and more of an important target for A&M. Obviously there's been some departures in that room of the past week or so with Andre White, Terry and Lee ish Harris um, depth is a little bit low there and, and was a position we talked about coming into the cycle that, you know, Anthony Hills, obviously a huge need heading down the final week um, looks to be a battle between Texas and Texas A&M for him. Um, but Hayden Moore is a guy, you just need depth and, and bodies at that position as well. And, and um, you know, they're obviously bringing in Mason Cobb this weekend. He confirmed with us in Oklahoma state linebacker transfer that uh, has, has been extremely productive the past couple of years at, at Oklahoma state. But, you know, I think a guy like him is, is becoming increasingly more pro- important with with some of the departures this off season. oh for sure and i mean a&m doesn't really have that true mike either i mean chris mm-hmm. russell's you know a bigger guy but you know edron cooper's been playing a bit out of position at mike so if you get you know uh you know all the guys that you mentioned oklahoma state he's a he's a mike linebacker you know hayden moore is a is a mike linebacker anthony hill is a mike so if you get those guys in i mean that does a, a huge deal with not just depth but really immediate playing time uh for all those guys and you know, Damian Sanford, he plays uh he plays actually all over the place for Pato, but probably yeah. more of a more of an outside guy. And you know, but really if you look at the depth chart, AM only has three linebackers coming back that are scholarship. Um yeah. now if I mean we don't know if there'll be a new DC. If there is, then maybe it's a different system. And if they play if they run three linebackers, well then you definitely need more than uh, more than three total on the roster. Yeah. So 
so yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big, uh, big. I'd say actually probably the biggest position I need. I know everybody wants saying them to go out and get an offensive tackle or several of them, but really the immediate need is linebacker, if for nothing else in depth. I mean, it's it's sort of scary what the depth chart looks like because you know, I Andre White and Terry and Lee, you sort of thought they they'd remain around. You know, even you know they weren't necessarily stars, but you thought they'd be around. So, um, so yeah, they have to replace those guys somewhere. And it was a it, it was a glaring issue that showed up last year as well that that linebacker depth and and you know those issues kind of showed up in the run game as well and so you know to me whether it's the transfer portal or whether it's high school recruiting that's that's an area that's got to get figured out and and Hayden Moore and Mason Cobb are are two of the bigger targets I think out there and Jaden Platt I think is another interesting name because this time last year you know A and M appeared to kind of be the, the favorite to land Jaden Platt. And then the way things worked out with, with A&M taking three tight ends in the last cycle with Donald Green, Jake Johnson, and Theodore Mellon-Ostrom, you know, there was there was a thought entering the year that, that maybe A&M wasn't going to sign a tight end in this class. And so Jaden Platt commits to Stanford. Uh, David Shaw retires. And now suddenly late in the cycle, A&M and Florida are very much in the mix for – for Jaden Platt, I know on the floor from the Florida side, Jaden Platt's a huge need because uh, you know they've they've had several departures from from their 2021 class, and so you know there's an opportunity for Jaden Platt to come in and play immediately there. But you know from an A and M perspective as well, I think tight end kind of still sits as a need. Jonathan Green was a guy that obviously stepped up as a performer, a consistent performer this year, but. Didn't see a ton from Jake Johnson and Theodore Mellon Ostrom. And so, you know, with, with Blake Smith departing this offseason to the transfer portal, you know, Jaden Platt's an intriguing late target, I think, that that certainly deserves deserves a look for AM. Oh yeah, and he's a guy that AM absolutely loved at camp. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you and I were there. We you could just tell how much, you know, them talking to him, them reacting to, you know, every single thing he did, his forty, his uh you know, his, all the routes and everything. I mean, they're just sort of going nuts on that. So he's a guy they loved. I think, man, I, when he committed, I, I think we might've even had quotes, you know, from him for, for oh, a pre you know, sort of, you know, A&M, you know, for A&M sort of decided to go in that different direction. And what's funny is Florida is the same way. Florida signed three tight ends in the 2022 class and, you know, was not looking to sign one this year, but now they're back in too. So um, I think he understands where, uh, you know, the, the position they were in, but uh, he also, I mean, it's hard to get a kid to decommit from Stanford. I mean, Stanford's a really good school. Yeah. Kids that committed there, kids that commit there, are very serious about their academics, you know. And so they're really looking forward to going to school there as well. Yeah. But A and M is a good school, a uh, really good school. You know, he could stay in the state of Texas, and A and M has a history of, uh, you know, producing all American tight ends. It's just you know they have under Jimbo Fisher. So I think uh, I think the Aggies are really going to give him you know a hard choice after after this weekend, you know, and, you know, after Jimbo Fisher visits and things like that. So yeah, he'll be, he'll be fun to watch. And I think, uh, I think he, you know, there's a good chance he ends up in the class and, and he, he'll, he'll really fit in that roster. Cause like you said, Theo Orstrom didn't play this year. He's, you know, came from uh, Europe and is still really adjusting to the game. And then Jake Johnson was hurt. So, you know, it's really wide open after, after Donovan Green, you know, for him to get in there and he's a good blocker too, which, you know, Green's a good blocker, but not really the biggest guy. I think Platt has a bigger frame than him. Jake Johnson also not really the biggest guy. And Theo Orstrom, same thing. So, um, you know, Platt could be a you know immediate impact in in the run game, no doubt. And you know, I think A and M 
took a positive step forward from talking to people around his recruitment after the in-home last week. Um, you know, they had some they had some questions for AM about the direction the the program was heading, tight end room, some of the other aspects of the program. And and from what I gathered, the AM staff did a good job kind of answering a lot of those questions and and kind of clearing up clearing up everything the the Platt family had, was wondering about. So, you know, I think I think it's a positive step forward. And and you're right. I think heading this weekend as a chance to spend more time with with Jimbo Fisher, with James Coley and the rest of the staff, I think AM is certainly in a position to close and and to be able to stress that area of need and and that area of importance that that he'd be able to come in and, and compete for playing time right away. Um like I mentioned, the early signing period gets underway a week from Wednesday. Tomorrow? And we'll be, yeah. Yeah, a week from Wednesday. And, um, you know, an interesting wrinkle this year we'll get to after the break as well um, when it comes to the Texas high school football playoffs and the early signing period coming up. Um, we'll, we'll take a look at more at that right after a quick break. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. Brian, bit of an interesting scheduling quirk, I think, this this year. Yeah. You know, whenever the past couple of years, the uh, the state championships have always come after the early signing period. And this year, it's going to come right in the middle of a, a contact period. Um, just want to get your thoughts. So what do you think that's going to be like? Do you think we, we, we will see a lot of coaches out at the um, – out at AT&T Ooh. Stadium this weekend and, you know, as they prepare to head out on the road and, uh, you know, what what difference do you think that'll have on the, on the last couple of days of this recruiting cycle? I honestly hadn't even thought yeah, of that. It's Matt, yeah, shout out I to think, Matt Stepp that I, yeah. you know, I saw a tweet from him this week and, and thought, man, we're, we're going to see a lot of – I my instinct is we're going to see a lot of coaches out on the sideline for the state championship games and – that's yeah, not that has, something that's traditionally happened, but uh, yeah. it's certainly an interesting way it worked out. No, for sure. I, yeah, I hadn't really thought of that because, yeah, last year and, and years prior, it's been signing day has been before. I mean, if you remember last year, Denver Harris had signed mm-hmm. on Wednesday, but, you know, committed to A&M you know, publicly after uh, – after North Shore won the state title on that Saturday. Basically so, on the field, his brother yeah. <laughs> hit published. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I don't think he even knew that he had announced his commitment yet. Yeah, yep. it was because I think somebody was like, how do you know he committed? Like I'm watching on TV and like, well, one, obviously we knew it was coming, but two, it's like, it's, it's live now. Somebody hit it. So, somebody so hit yeah, it. but you know, I so the thing is though, you know, these, the rules that get so crazy. So yeah. a head coach is allowed one visit total for each recruit. 
Um, and then and the assistants are allowed two total, but only one per week. So if they've already used, if, if a coach has already used his visit, say to South Oak Cliff or to, and I need to look at the, at the things, you know, to DeSoto or somewhere, then they actually can't come, but you know, yeah. and, and if you did want to do an in-home, you have to do it that same day. So if a coach, let's say, goes, you know, on Friday night to see South Oak Cliff, well, he's got to go by the school or go by the house earlier or later that day to uh, to maximize that. So that could that could throw a wrinkle. But, yeah, I think there are going to be a, a ton of coaches. I mean, I was at uh, Energy Stadium a couple weeks ago for the uh, Jazz – I mean, Silsby game against uh, Cuero, and there were a number of uh, college coaches there too. So – um, so yeah, this is that time. And I mean, a lot of them will be on campus over the weekend hosting visitors, but shoot, I, you, I guarantee TCU will have, you know, their full allotment of nine or 10 guys out there, SMU as well. I mean, why, why wouldn't you, if you can, you know, you can go out. Plus it's a chance for them to catch up and it's just fun to watch. Uh, I, I love uh, the Texas high school playoffs. I think there's nothing like it in sports and, you know, that, that weekend with 12 games, six class, yeah, 12 games in four days. I mean, is is awesome. And, you know, you and I have talked about this off air, but it's always funny to kind of see these coaches. They they obviously head on the road knowing that they have a job to do, that they're to see a kid. But there's always kind of a clump. They're always kind of in the same clump, kind of catching up with each other as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, last last uh, Friday night at that, you mentioned that South Oak Cliff game. Tommy Robinson and TJ Rushing were both out there amongst a ton of coaches. I think I've, I think I've seen Emma Jones out at, at you know, four or five games the past two weeks. Like it's, it seems like he's kind of been everywhere. And so, you know, you kind of see the same coaches kind of pop up again and again and in in their areas. And, and so I do expect there to be a lot of coaches. You mentioned that that's the other wrinkle too, about especially the Saturday with, with the six a games being on, on Saturday, you know, you've got schools that are going to be worrying about hosting visitors as well. And then, you know, these games going on during the, during the day and into the night. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. I think it's good. I think it, it might even help a couple kids from smaller schools um, start to see their recruitments pick up with, you know, with, with the games beginning earlier in the week. So um, I think it'll work out well overall. And, you know, looking ahead to this close, um, you know, I think one of the interesting storylines to watch A&M is, it's it's still in pursuit of of several quarterbacks um, yeah. in this twenty twenty three class. Marcel Reed um, is one. Uh, there's there's a couple though. Miles um, Jackson, who just committed to Stanford last week, but you know it's and, I, and that, I don't necessarily see it happening. But I mean, Austin yeah. Novoselic is a guy that you know A and M is Austin. still after after as well. I mean they're yeah. they're you know kicking they're trying to, you know, look under every rock and go after, you know, every guy. So yep. and he had been a long-time target. So he's another guy that, that they're still after. Yep. He was the next guy I was mentioning that, you know, they're, they're just going to keep t- yeah. kicking the tires on these guys and, and see where they land at the early signing period. Obviously you mentioned getting uh, Marcel Reed in for an official visit right before the early signing period, I think is, is certainly encouraging. I mentioned coming out of his last visit that A&M had really put a good foot forward and, you know, there's confidence around the Ole Miss, uh, around Oxford and, and around the Ole Miss program that, that he will sign next Wednesday. But I got to be honest, I mean, he's taken back-to-back visits the past two weeks to Auburn and Texas A&M on official yeah. visits. You know, the door is at least slightly open on, in terms of, you know, 
them taking a closer look at some of these programs and and you know if he was completely solid he'd be going back to oxford this weekend for for the final weekend before Ole miss so oh, yeah before their signing period. So he's at least giving another look to Texas A&M. And, and I think this all started with that LSU game and getting that victory and being able to spend time with the coaching staff. You know, they've obviously Damon Craig's been out to see him on the recruiting trail. And now it's a chance for Texas A&M to get him back in right before the early signing period and, and be able to close it out. Oh yeah. I mean, so Lane Kiffin, uh, so Lane Kiffin's flirting with uh, flirt, flirtations with Auburn got him a ton of money. So he doesn't regret that, you know, he, he did everything yeah. well, but one of the side effects was that Marcel Reed took that trip to uh to A&M for the LSU game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't really, you know, he was sort of off the radar and then as you know, his coach looks like he might be leaving for another school. So, you know, it's like, Oh, I got to keep my options open. Well, then A&M goes out and, you know, beats a top 10 team, top 10 at the time. They should not have been yeah. top 10. Sorry, LSU. We said it then. We'll say it now. You know, they weren't a bad program, but not a top 10 team. Uh, but, yeah, A&M comes and beats a top 10 team at home. You know, it's a really crazy loud night game of Cal Field. You know, the offense actually looks good uh, for the most part. Um, yeah, so, you know, Lane Kiffin caused that to happen. If they lose Marcel Reed, I mean, it really is directly from from that flirtation with Auburn. Mm-hmm. Now, again, He's extra extra rich now, so he doesn't he doesn't regret that. He can get himself yeah. another QB, you know. But you know, Marcel Reed, if he goes on to become a Heisman winner and a number one draft pick, it's your fault, Lane. It's your fault. It's your fault. And how about the entertainment? Let's take a step back for a minute. That, um, and I, you know, I'm just looking at this from from the Auburn Ole Miss perspective. Hugh Freeze comes in, and who's the first target he goes after? Yeah, I know, right. that trail is. <laughs> Is Ole Miss's quarterback commit and, and and goes right goes right after him to get him on campus for an official visit. I'm all here for all that. That's that 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 was certainly an entertaining storyline. And you know, got to touch on, on more on 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 Tony Mitchell as well. Obviously, he's a guy that's been down to Texas A&M a ton of times at this point. Coming back for his official visit, uh, I know he. You're, he's a guy that, that you've gotten to know well over the past couple of years. What, what chances do you give A&M in terms of a flip uh, right before the early signing period? All right. So Tony Mitchell lives almost down the street from Tuscaloosa from Alabama where he's committed. I mean, it's what probably 30 minutes from Alabaster to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it was a bit, it was still a bit surprising though when he decided to make his commitment. I think Alabama really pushed and, you know, Mm-hmm. You know, they have the number one class right now. And, you know, it's like, hey, it's filling up, things like that. So, hey, get on board. But, even, I mean, even right after committing, he still took a visit to AM not long after that. And unofficial, he's been numerous times since. So, it's a very real shot. I mean, I know he really likes the Aggies. He likes the uh, the commitments in the class and the guys on campus. And, you know, if you are if you live in the state of Alabama, if you live down the street from Tuscaloosa and you are going to, you know, to decommit from Bama – you're not going to do so until signing day because you don't want to get, you know, all that pressure and everything from the fans. So I don't think we'll hear anything this weekend, but I do think there's a, a very legitimate shot. Uh, I don't want to put odds on it or anything like that, but yeah. you know, it's a very real shot of A&M getting them in the flip and, you know, a lot probably depends on how, you know, how comfortable he feels this weekend and everything, but I don't see why he wouldn't because he's been so much. So yeah, that would be a, a big get a five-star or, I don't know if he's a five-star or close. I mean, he's not a five-star. He's very close to that range. Yeah. You know, committed to an in-state Bama program. I mean, Nick Saban, 
I mean, Jimbo's just been a thorn in his side, both on the <laughs> field and on the recruiting trail. And, you know, that wouldn't make him happy. So, um, so yeah, that would be, that would be a big win for A&M for, for a number of reasons, for the fact that he's a good player for, uh, you know, just the momentum and just, you know, really the optics of A&M stealing a recruit from Alabama after its worst season in 20 years, you know, so. Boy, maybe, you know, the summer storylines of that would be would be entertaining to watch oh, yeah. just to see what, what Nick Saban's reaction to that was. And, you know, A&M is going to have to play defense on a couple guys as well, but the good news is they're getting them both in, on campus this final weekend and DJ Hicks and Javon Thomas. I think those are the two guys that really – Schools have come after the hardest the last couple of weeks. DJ Hicks is coming off a visit to Oregon. You know, his his dad told Steve Wolfong that he still sees it as, you know, a pretty, pretty tall task for any school to, to really flip yeah. DJ Hicks. And it goes back to what we've talked about quite a bit, which is his longstanding relationships with Elijah Robinson, with this A&M staff. Goes back years. Proximity to home, I think, also works very much in A&M's favor. And and something we've pointed out extensively. Um, you know, I think it's a case, DJ is, is, is a really thoughtful guy. I think it's a case of him wanting to, you know, kind of get one final look, make sure he's got all the information he can he needs to yeah. make that decision. And and I think that's really what it comes down to. Obviously, Oregon's been a big factor in this recruitment for a while, but I think right now, signs still probably – would would point in A&M's favor and and it would be huge for them to hold on to him and um you know I think they've got a, a really good shot at doing so oh yeah and then his teammate and friend Damian Sanford's committed A&M also yeah. has Oregon and Oklahoma really hard after him but we talked earlier about the linebacker depth at A&M I mean it's you know Sanford committed to the Aggies almost immediately after being offered I mean it was sort of his dream offer um you know so it, I think it helps with Hicks to have, you know, that, that friend and familiar face. I mean, those guys, you know, they've, they've only been together, you know, a year uh, since Hicks transferred into to Pato. But, you know, I think they knew each other before that and they're, they're close friends and they've gone on almost all the visits together. So uh, if A&M can keep Sanford, which it looks likely, then, then that'll go even further in helping to keep Hicks. No question. And the final guy I think is, is Javon Thomas, obviously, Took a visit this past weekend to TCU. It was originally scheduled to be an in, uh, an official visit. Um, only ended up being an unofficial visit. He was only in, make, able to make it into town on Sunday, but still spent some time with the TCU staff. And I think they will likely follow that up with an in-home visit um, as well. And and look, AM's had had their own in-home visit already with with the assistant coaches, um, and we'll get him back on campus. This weekend as well for this upcoming weekend for an official visit. I'm um, had to be careful that this weekend, this upcoming weekend, based on on all the discussions that have taken place on our on our board when it comes to this up, but this upcoming weekend he'll be there, <laughs> uh, back in College Station, and I think that's wait this frame. this weekend or next weekend. <laughs> Which next one? weekend. Next weekend. No, that's a, no, kidding. that's after Saturday. I'm kidding. December 16th through the 18th is when they're... Yeah, that's, that's easier. Just <laughs> yeah. say the exact date, and then uh, you know people are going to say what what time is that? Mountain time? Like, yeah, I what don't know, yesterday? Like mountain time, Pacific time? What yeah. what Australian Eastern Standard Time? Oh, it's, we were way off on that one. <laughs> we were way off on that one. That oh, was I, admittedly. I have to admit too. I I went in and edited without. Uh, without telling anybody uh we had gotten uh we had been told that debron gatling's announcement was at uh was at 8 p.m eastern because he was you know he's in atlanta 
And I was like, oh, okay. And I texted the guy. I was like, all right, cool. 9, 9 p.m. Central. And the guy didn't say anything. And I just in my mind, I was like, yeah, 8 p.m. there, 9 p.m. Central. So yeah. I put that up. <laughs> we would have been two hours late on his method. <laughs> so if anybody's wondering how to get Central from Eastern time, you just subtract an hour. Subtract, and I come think, backwards. I, yeah, so I think Mountain, you subtract three and a half hours. <laughs> so And you'll be good to go. <laughs> you know, you come here, you come here for the recruiting the recruiting wisdom at Intel, but you get time zone <laughs> Intel as well. Time we're going to start a time zone podcast next. Everybody needs <laughs> yeah, to listen. Sorry, as I hate to break it I to you guys. In, yeah. I believe in India, it really is on the half hours. And that's got to be like maddening. What is your time? Is it, you know, it's 1130 here. And then it's just like, like 9 p.m. there. It's like, how does that work? Like, how does that not frustrate everybody? It's on the half hour. So. Sorry, that was random. <laughs> We'll dive into that on the next. Yeah, we'll, the that'll, next that'll, that'll, that'll be our that'll be our mid February one. We'll dive into time zones. We'll get <laughs> we'll get into all different time zones. You guys, you I'll explain daylight savings like, to people too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into we, that. No, we don't know what time it is. Like, yeah, we uh, we 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 got nothing for you. We don't ask us what time people are signing. You might get mountain no, time, Pacific time, Eastern time. I don't know. Um, but but now getting back to to Javon Thomas, he'll be there December sixteenth to eighteenth, um, and you know I think I think A and M's got a good shot at, at keeping him as well. Obviously, getting the last word helps, and and this has been his plan all along. Was it actually ended up being a significantly less busy December, I think, than than he was originally anticipating. He talked about T- or Texas Tech visits, Texas visits. Those didn't end up happening, um, but did end up making it over for the day at, at TCU, but, you know, A&M being able to get the last word. And I think, I think of anybody and L- beating LSU really helped with Javon Thomas. Cause as I've mentioned before, he kind of talked about how, if, if, um, if he just wanted to see A&M be able to get over the hump and be able to win a game and, and show that they were taking steps. And so I think to be able to show that to get it at the end of the year and, and the A&M staff has made him a huge priority. They've had, coaches out at these past two games um you know and and recognize that they need to close strong with him and and they've certainly poured the resources into that so um i think overall you know there was a lot of concern i think when when the season finished about how a&m was gonna was gonna finish but we've we've talked about it before this staff and it doesn't stop here by the way it, it goes into february um yeah. jake smith is a guy that a, a you know California receiver that can absolutely fly that is planning to visit A&M in late January and so the work doesn't necessarily stop once the early signing period but this is obviously when the majority of the guys are going to put pen to paper and and sign and so uh, we will certainly have you covered with all the latest over the next week um, as we as we look ahead to a big visit weekend we'll have the latest come on on this on next week's edition of the podcast um, kind of recapping that big weekend and looking ahead to the early signing period. But until then, um, have a great week, everybody, and, and we'll see you guys soon.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.